Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. I am so, so excited to be here with you today because I've got an incredible friend of mine that is joining us today, and she's going to tell us all about something that's really, I think, not talked about enough in the area of really developing ourselves and becoming the best version of ourselves. And so Jess Marcy is a nationally recognized clutter coach who has always been drawn to large collections of objects. She holds a master's degree in archival science and believes that decluttering and organizing are skills anyone can learn. Jess's unique approach to clutter combines the power of community with simple strategies that can change the way you look at all the clutter in your life. Jess is thrilled to help clients create homes that honor their past, create space to live in the moment, and to support their dreams. Jess, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, it's my pleasure. So it's interesting. I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning there, but I think people underestimate the impact, and I know I've been there, underestimating the impact of clutter on the rest of their lives. And so tell us what got you into this and why is it so important to you? So clutter got me into it. I intuitively know how to organize. Like I've always been that like organized kid growing up. But when I had children of my own, a whole bunch of clutter came into our house and I would spend so much time just shuffling stuff around and then not actually spending time with my kids. And I'm like, this is, I know how to organize. So what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I figure this out? And I was listening to, you know, I was watching all of the big names in home organization, everything and implementing everything they said, but I still was dealing with clutter constantly. So I realized like something's wrong here. Like this advice is either really bad or I'm really bad at following advice or there's a bigger picture that I'm missing out on. So I really took a deep dive into understanding clutter and space and organization. And I mean, really deep dive and learned a whole lot along the way, some painful lessons and really learned that, you know, the clutter in our homes is connected to the clutter in our mind, the clutter in our finances, the clutter in our relationships. Like it's all, my podcast is called It's All Clutter and It's All Connected because it's all connected. So after I kind of went through that whole journey myself and actually found solutions that worked like for good, not for just a little bit of time, I started talking about it to everyone else. And, you know, one thing led to another and here we are today. (laughs) It's my mission to really help people dig out from underneath the incredible weight of clutter because it does impact every area of our lives. It really does. And it's interesting. I'm very fortunate. I grew up in an incredible home with incredible parents. So I moved in when I first was, I think, four. And my parents still live in that house today. 
And it's interesting how just naturally accumulate stuff over the course. And especially when you're not forced to move and you're looking that stuff in the face, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just let it build and build and build and build. And I mean, I even look at it in my own home and I can totally relate to that with once I had my own son, I was like, oh my gosh, like the toys and the stuff and the clothes and everything. And it does impact. I mean, I look at my bedroom and I'm like, does this space, does this space make me feel energized or calm or, you know, like it has such an impact on the feelings that I feel. And I know that I can can control my feelings by thoughts that I'm having. But the environment is so much of that because it, it bypasses that thought and it's forcing you to work harder at feeling good. That's so true. That's so yeah. true. Like, yeah. I can feel good if I force myself to think about, you know what I mean? Like I, I can cre- manufacture that different feeling, but as a default environment just has such a huge impact. Your environment, your home What I've learned, big picture, is your home should support your life right now. And we spend a lot of time in homes that are set up for a lot from the past or some like unknown future event, but are not functional right now. So even if you're spending 10 minutes a day searching for something, that's 60 hours a year. And you're not like happily searching for something. You're frustrated, right? (laughs) You can just never get that time back. Oh, that's so good. And that's so interesting because I love that part of your bio where it was like they honor your past, create space to live in the moment and support their dreams. Because I actually can relate to both of those. You know, the experience that I shared about my family living, a lot of that was living in the past because there was so much accumulation of past things. And it's funny, my husband is incredible and he is He's not a hoarder by any means, but he will see the need like two years down the road. (laughs) So he's like, this bike will fit our son in two years. And I'm like, oh, God, I have to another bike for two years. But you talk about compassion based support. And so do you find there's a lot of shame that comes up when people are looking at their lives and their environment and the clutter they have? So much shame. And it's so, you know, I believe that it's human nature to collect items. Like that's actually been an evolutionary advantage for humans for all of time. So really what we're doing is also, I think collecting a lot of stuff right now is like a generational trauma response that's been passed down from the Great Depression or when, I mean, really just from our history, right? Like that once generational trauma, this reaction to hang on to everything so tightly We're a couple of generations removed, but it's still what we were taught growing up. So the shame is is overwhelming. And I don't believe it's our fault that we have clutter. I think there's, I call it the consumption trifecta. It's our human nature, the fact that we've never had so many advertisements showing up constantly. Like we see over 10,000 advertisements every single day, which seems outrageous. But if you just open up your pantry, every single label is an advertisement, right? The more you start to recognize advertisements. So you have to make these decisions, 10,000 decisions every day about what you're going to bring in and what you're going to bring, let go of. And it's just, there's so much decision making. And then we've removed every barrier to things coming into our homes, right? So you can sleep shop. Like that's a recognized sleeping disorder is parasomatic shopping where you just roll over, your phone's right there, your credit cards are stored. And you just hit buy. You don't even remember because you're asleep, right? So there's no barriers to entry for things coming into our homes. You don't need cash. You don't need to be awake. It's our human nature to collect items. 
We're seeing so many advertisements, even in our sleep. So it's not your fault, right? But what we are made to feel is that there's something wrong with us if we can't deal with this stuff, if we have too much stuff, if we can't keep a home, if we can't have people over. And then it becomes really a medical issue, right? So it really impacts our mental health. And then we don't have people over and then it gets worse. So we are kind of in like this shame spiral. And the only way to move forward is with so much compassion. A lot of times we have excessive clutter because of things that horrific life events that happened to us. Or it's just, we, we saw those 10,000 advertisements every day. Nobody ever taught us how to deal with it, right? It's just the skills were never given to us. So yeah, lots of compassion. Oh, that's so good. As you're talking, because clutter has been a, a part of my internal dialogue, and I think when you grow up and you have clutter around you, you either continue that cycle or you're like, no, I'm a minimalist. I have nothing. So this is a conversation that plays in my head, and it's so I hadn't thought of it in that way, especially the consumption and those decisions that we're, we're faced with every day, especially with that lack of barrier for things coming in the home. So that makes so much sense to me. So you talk about yourself as a collector of things. And so give us a little hope here. Is there a possibility that we can have the things we want, collect the things that we want, stay true to that nature that obviously, and I didn't even realize was necessarily a scientific backed thing, but it makes sense. Is there a way for us to, to do that and still be able to feel good in our environment, have it? I mean, you talk about organization. What does that even look like? Like, what's the, the light at the end of the tunnel here for us? So there's hope for everyone. This is really just skills and some mindset shifts that you need to embrace. It begins with understanding how much storage space you actually have. And this is like a huge lesson that we teach. Floor space isn't storage space, right? We can't buy our bin out of this. Like, buy our bin way out of this. Like we have to live within the space that we have. So if you have 100 square feet of storage space, you can comfortably store like 80 square feet of stuff in that storage space. And what you choose to keep is totally up to you. Like there, and again, there's no judgment around this. If you want to have every closet full of shoes, okay, that's fine. But then other collections need to shrink. So it really is about reflecting what is important to you right now. If you love certain collections, yes, by all means, make space for those things that you love and let go of the rest. But know that you only have so much space. So we only have so much money in life, right? It's so easy for us to say, I can't afford this. We only have so much time. We easily can say, I don't have time for this. But we also need to think about our space in the same way. I don't have space for this because it's all connected. So once you know the end goal is to live comfortably within your space, not turn every ounce of floor space into storage space, then you can start to like, okay, I, I know what my goal is. Now I have a finish line here. I can cross that finish line because I know where I'm going. I'm not just randomly decluttering or organizing without knowing what the end goal is. That's really good because I feel like it can feel like this never-ending treadmill. Yep. where you're just constantly decluttering, constantly organizing. And if you don't know what you're shooting for, it's hard to feel like you're making any progress or you're reaching any measure of success. So it's really nice that you define that so that people can actually feel like they're making progress. The other side of this is the reason that we have clutter, which is basically anything that doesn't have a home in our home, right? So when, mm. if we're living outside of our space, if things can't be put away, that's clutter. The reason we have clutter is this idea that 
we can keep everything and it's a it's like a clog in your house so when you start decluttering if you don't stop what is coming in and increase what is going out you're never going to get ahead of yourself right so if you're decluttering and at the same time bringing in boxes of stuff every day it's always going to be the same because it's going to be the same volume of stuff so one thing that we ask everyone to do when they start working with us is temporarily stop the flow of items into your house while increasing the flow of items out of your house. And it's that very simple math equation, <laughs> less coming in, more going out, that ends up really unclogging your home of clutter. We really tackle it from a couple of different angles, but don't get in your own way by continuing to bring in stuff when you're trying to let go of stuff also. I love that. It's funny, my husband and I talked about it and we haven't been as diligent as we said that we were going to be, but I've seen it floating around the like uh, one bag a day for 40 days or 30 days or something like that. But to your point, we hadn't really talked about decreasing the flow in. And that makes right. so much sense. It really is, like you said, a simple math equation, like what's coming in versus what's going out. I tell people this like disgusting toilet analogy. <laughs> I love it. Bring it on. <laughs> if you wouldn't use a clogged toilet, you would not add more stuff to a clogged toilet before you dealt with the clog. It's like the same for your house. Like don't add more stuff to the clog until you deal with the clog. Oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> and you can still keep that oh, word stuff with something else. I love it. That's so funny. That's such a relatable analogy though. It's so true. So when people are bringing mm -hmm. let's stop bringing things in and then we work on what we need to remove do right. you find that what's the typical emotional response because we talked about the mental health piece of this what's the typical emotional response that you've seen your clients as people are moving through this initial stop bringing it in and let's focus on what we need to remove so typically, this is a really refreshing thing to hear that I just need to stop bringing stuff in and let stuff out. Other decluttering programs tell you, oh, we're going to do the closet today and we're going to do like, you know, the bathroom tomorrow. And that feels really overwhelming because those projects could take hours and hours and hours and hours, right? So all that I say is like, stop bringing stuff in, which is typically a huge relief because you don't have that pressure of shopping and thinking about stuff and feeling guilty. There's like this whole guilt cycle around bringing stuff into your house you're not hiding the stuff the packages from anyone you know like it actually can be a big relief to just take a temporary break it's also a good way to say to other people in your life like right now I'm taking a break from stuff coming into my house so thanks but no thanks my clients are not the only contributors to the clutter there's lots of factors people and situations where stuff comes in so I say like blame me Jess Marcy made me do it. She's not letting me bring anything in. Um, but it kind of starts that conversation. And then it's also an easy way to start letting go of stuff because we tend to have so many commingled collections. So it's a commingled collection is, you know, open up your junk drawer. That's a commingled collection. But typically, like every space is commingled. And within the stuff, there are highly emotional items. So we just kind of leave those to the side. And go for all the low-hanging fruit. Can you take 10 items out of your house today? Any 10 items. 10 sheets of paper. 10 pieces of garbage. 10 socks that have no matches. Whatever it is. So it's a really approachable way to start. So in the beginning, people tend to feel a lot of relief. As they go through the process, there's other emotions that come up. But right off the bat, it's like, oh, okay, I can actually do this. But that's so critical, I think, because 
Without a quick win, in my experience, without a quick win, it's hard to get that, keep the momentum going. So that quick win gives the momentum to get to the hard stuff, I guess. Yeah. And the more you practice letting go of stuff, the hard stuff becomes less hard. It's not that it's easy, but it's less hard because you've made this decision like so many times that you can, okay, well, the hard stuff becomes just less and less and less hard. So, you know, and you know that you're going to also deal with the hard stuff with the appropriate pillars of support. I mean, if you had, if you lost a loved one or you had a horrible divorce or whatever the hard stuff is, you know that you don't need to tackle it until you're ready, until you have a friend to talk to, until you have a therapist, until you have a massage therapist, whatever type of therapist you need, you know that you're going to set yourself up for success by having all of that foundation underneath you when you're ready to do that. It's probably great too with the community that you have because what better way to be able to move through those things than with people who get you. And so you've got yeah. your supports that are like more of the you, the therapist or the the person, the guide, and then also the peers that are in that same boat. And they're like, I know I had to do this last month. You've got this. I did it. It felt so good. It was painful, but it felt so good at the end. So that's amazing that you've created that community around this. So we talked about the relief, but then you said, you know, once we get into the hard stuff, there's the more challenging emotional responses. Do you find that people are able to move through those with, I'm not going to say with ease, I mean, they're just challenging things to move through, but in that community, has it, have you seen success? I just don't want anyone, you know, I think about people that I know that struggle with clutter. I don't want anyone to feel like they're going to come up against those and they can't get through it. Everyone can do it. There's no question. I think managing your expectations can be really helpful. Like this is not an overnight process. And it really, when you kind of start to dig deep, it forces you to look at things in your life that you might not be wanting to address, right? So a lot of times the clutter, the physical clutter is really because you don't want to have a difficult conversation or really because you made a light choice that you don't feel so great about or really because of some other thing. And so when you get to that point, Having other people who totally understand is huge, but also knowing what you need then makes a big difference. Like in the beginning, you don't really know what you're, you might have a sense of it or you might have no sense of it. I mean, I'm thinking about a client who actually came up against a huge thing. It was the amount of student debt that was like, didn't want to look at the numbers. Every sheet of paper felt like was putting off these like phone calls and all that. And then finally she dealt with it. She like, she just went through the papers, made the phone calls, posted in our Facebook community about it. 25 other people were like, oh yeah, I thought that was my thing too, right? Like, I don't think that that person would have identified that as the issue in the beginning. Like it just revealed itself at the right time. And then there was no shame about sharing that that was the issue. We also have tons of people who just, I mean, their relationships, their close relationships are a huge, huge trigger of clutter and being able to have those really hard conversations, you know, you get to that point. But yeah, it, it's all part of the process. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I think that the, sh- the structure of that is really good. You get your quick wins, then you move through the, the more challenging stuff and you have community around. So speaking of that and the relationships and things like that, is there any patterns that you've seen 
with clutter. And what other areas of life have you seen that it really either complicate or open up once it's once the clutter is processed or once they've moved through the decluttering process? So, okay, in my kind of higher level program, I bring in coaches every week to support whatever area it is. So I think at this point, the coaches to match the most common problems. <laughs> I can tell you what they are now. Number one is nutrition. When you have a cluttered kitchen, you can't cook, right? Or you don't want to cook or pulling out like food and finding counter space is a huge issue. When you declutter your kitchen, it's kind of like you're starting from ground zero. Like you just don't even know how to start preparing fresh food, how to start like doing all of that. So We have a health and nutrition coach to support that. Also, when you don't have any floor space in your house, it's hard to like do yoga or just sit and meditate or like all of those things, right? So the health aspect is huge. When you're stopped searching for stuff every day, you can start walking, right? Or you can say like, why don't you prioritize walking? And then you can do 10 minutes of decluttering. Like you have that balanced sort of approach. So the nutrition coach was the first person that I brought into the group because that was like the most overwhelming need that I saw. Then mindset is huge. Like absolutely the way you think about yourself, the thoughts you have going through your head, your relationship with your stuff. Like you said earlier, I know I can control how I think, right? But not everyone knows that they can control how they think. Right. Mindset makes a massive difference. I'm a mindset coach. Parenting, especially parents of adult children. So that's, I have a parenting coach who specializes in that realm because adult children can really complicate your home. <laughs> and those relationships can really hold you back. We have a lot of clients with adult children living in their house, especially after COVID. Um, and just, you know, there's, that's like a whole thing. So that comes up a lot. So that was like one coach that I searched and searched for and found. She's a communication coach, really. She just tells you communicate better, which is seems to be like an underlying issue with all clutter. We also have a (laughs) with everything, right? Everything. We have a psychotherapist because there's a lot of trauma connected to clutter. So that's, you know, like we have to have somebody who can kind of come in and our psychotherapist really she talks through mental health health issues, but then she helps our clients find the right therapy for them if they need that extra layer of support. So trauma and clutter, hugely connected. Grief and clutter, hugely connected. And then we have a finance coach. So a lot of times if you're shopping a lot, and I mean, that's not everyone's issue. Like there's a lot of ways that clutter comes in, but sometimes it is compulsive shopping or addictive shopping behavior. So the finance person helps out with that. And so those are like the five biggest areas that I see are connected with clutter every day. Oh, that's so good because it's interesting. I don't even know where I heard this, but it was somebody was talking about, you know, you want to get into business, get into health or wealth because those are going to, you're always going to have clients and those are, and communication is, I mean, like I said, that's everything. How interesting that it all aligns with the clutter. I was expecting relationships to come up on that too. But I think the adult children, that makes complete sense to me. But I was expecting like marital relationships as well to come up. That shows up a lot in mindset because, it, you know, your interactions with everyone around you and how it, you get into these like deep set patterns, right? So my husband and I are experiencing this right now. It's, we have the same argument over and over and over again and something has to give, right? So 
that mindset piece is really helpful. And then I also see relationships comes up a lot in finance. Um, and then once you also start saving money because you're not buying anything. Um, so that's like the side effect of not bringing stuff in is that you start to save money. And then the questions are, what's the best way to pay down my debt? Like what strategy makes the most sense? So those, and I am not qualified to answer those questions. <laughs> like, let me find somebody who knows what they're talking about. That's some education behind this. <laughs> That's amazing though, because clutter, it's so interesting because you're marketing and the, the things that you're front facing talking about is exposing a problem for people. And then they come in, they work with you, that problem is solved, but then a new problem is opened up and it's like, okay, I have this money now. Now my new problem is what do I do with it? So it's so great that you're taking them through that progression. It doesn't mean you have to be the expert. It just means that you've created a safe space for them to move through that whole process, which is so cool. Right. Like clutter is kind of like the approachable way to get people to start tackling a lot of really big issues in their life. Yeah. Seems like it's the stuff. It's never about the stuff. Like the stuff is the easy part. It's always the other. And I, when I started as a professional organizer, I was working in people's homes and really quickly realized, well, I am not qualified to be, you know, all of these other coaches for this person. Like really, most of my clients wanted me just to sit with them while they went through their stuff because they wanted somebody to talk to about all the other issues. And that was when I kind of was like, okay, this is bigger than just the stuff. I had somebody say to me once, my husband doesn't understand why I just don't throw everything out. Like, obviously, if, if it were just about the stuff, that would be the solution, not just about the stuff. So, yes. Yeah. This is so good. I think really is it's never about the stuff. Nope. There's always a reason. If you're and go coming down to that communication piece, especially if you're living with someone, if you're living on your own, you're not being challenged on it on a daily basis, but giving people the tools, having this space, I think means giving people the tools to articulate why they're using stuff for whatever reason, what whether it's the past, the future to manage, because it's kind of a management of emotions a little bit and a way to feel safe and feel together or in control or whatever it is, right? So yes. <laughs> Is there a mindset, a certain mindset that we need to adopt to succeed long term with this? I mean, there's many. So going back to this feeling safe and secure and having control, like that's definitely one mindset that we work on a lot. So sometimes yeah. people literally have walls of clutter that make them feel safe, right? It's like a literal wall of protection. Mm -hmm. And you or they have clutter because they don't want other people to come into their homes because that is uncomfortable for whatever reason, right? So I think there's this illusion of control, like I'm controlling these relationships and interactions by having so much stuff. But what has actually like at some point that might have been true, but it switches, right? So having so much stuff now is controlling you because you actually don't have the choice to have somebody into your house anymore. So getting to that critical mindset where I am able to say no to something that makes me uncomfortable. I am able to say I don't feel safe because of X, Y, and Z. I have those words. I'm empowered to say them. That takes back the control, right? So that's a big mindset shift, but it takes quite some time to recognize what you're doing, <laughs> the behavior, recognize that it needs to change, and then actually change it. I mean, because you start to break down these walls and it feels uncomfortable. So you have to kind of live with that, go through that, and then keep moving forward. Another really big one, and this is kind of an unpopular opinion, but 
A lot of people don't let go of stuff because they're afraid of the environmental impact of throwing things out or of just like not finding the perfect home. So this is a huge issue. We were basically sold this idea that we're responsible for the environment and that if we keep putting stuff into a landfill, then we are a bad human, right? Um, the reality is... I'm going to go in on this one. This is funny. Keep going. <laughs> the reality is that that's a really convenient way for corporations to not take the responsibility for the end life of their products. And if you start researching like that little recycle symbol on the bottom of everything... That was very controversial when it was originally introduced because recycling in theory is amazing and recycling in practice is a total disaster. I mean, most stuff is not recycled. 9% of plastic that has ever been produced has actually been recycled. 9%. I mean, that is like atrocious. And most of that that's been recycled has been downcycled, made into items that can't be recycled again. So, I mean... Metal is reliably recycled, but beyond that, like plastics, paper, it really depends on, it's a market-based thing. So there has to be a buyer for those items. But there's wish cycling is, wish is basically where you put everything into the recycling bin. And I hope that this is recyclable. Somebody else is going to deal with it, right? It's created a whole bunch of problems. A lot of studies show that, that creates more carbon emissions than actually just throwing stuff into the trash because it has to be sorted out a second but then to go into the trash. Um, and then this idea that like putting stuff into a landfill is so bad. It's actually, that's also not scientifically true either. Landfill management in the United States is phenomenally good. We control the runoff. We cap off the areas. We make green space out of our landfills. When we throw all this garbage into our recycling and it gets shipped across the world, it's a huge environmental disaster, but it feels better for us. And just in general, we have so much stuff that we can't realistically expect there's going to be somebody to take every single thing from us. So even if you bring things to Goodwill or some donation center, like 70% of what they take in, they're putting into the trash. If the easiest thing for you to do right now is throw something away, that's okay. Or put it for free at the end of your driveway. Like whatever you need to do to get it out quickly in the beginning is totally okay. And then if you want to be an environmentally friendly person, stop buying so much, stop consuming so many things. Like that's where we have control is at the consumption end, not at the disposal end. So that mindset really, really helps also. Like if I bring it in, I need to be responsible for like throwing it out. And if I don't have a good option to throw it out, and that's going to mean I hang on to it while it's broken, damaged, I'm no longer useful to me the point where it impacts my mental health, like I need to be more cognizant about the consumption end and thinking through that in the beginning of the process. So that's a really big mindset shift that I like also. Oh my gosh, you just blew my mind. You just totally shifted my mindset. It's crazy because this is totally, <laughs> I have a bin, this is so embarrassing. I have a bin of toys. Nobody wants or needs toys my kid has grown out of these toys they're like two-year-old three-year-old toys he's passed it he's moved on and I have this bin of toys that I have so much guilt around throwing in the garbage and so this bin of toys is sitting in my bedroom <laughs> it's sitting in my bedroom waiting for some solution that I haven't figured out yet first of all that's amazing and I think you're right I think there is a lot of 
especially with people who just take ownership. And if you take ownership of your life and whatever, your trash, then you create, there's so much brain space for me, at least that's held for this stupid box of toys that I don't want to be done with, but I can't, I couldn't for some reason just bring them to the trash because the ownership of the self-ownership that I feel is that I need to create a good solution for this. I need to find someone who wants the toys. I need to donate them. I need to figure out who will take them. Nobody takes toys. They're a liability to give because they have little pieces that toddlers can ingest. And so I've got this brain space that's taken up by this box of toys and you just explained it so perfectly. And it's interesting what you said about the the environmental impact because you're right. It's I'd never heard that term before. Wish, what did you call it? Wish cycling. Wish cycling. Because yeah, it's a true. It's, a, it's not a term that I made up. It's a it's like a commonly used term. Okay. Wish cycling. I've never yeah. heard this before, but it's so true. I mean, a lot of times, and I've I'm guilty of this too. Is like, I don't know if this is, can be recycled. I think so. I'm gonna put it in here, but it does. It contaminates the whole thing. Creates more work. More more emissions, more all all the things. And so while I'm not saying go throw everything out as much as I love the shift that you just shared with us and with me about really your sense of ownership is on the front end. Yes. I'm not saying throw everything out either. I'm just saying let's just really understand the situation because it's so complex. And yeah, when I started talking about this, there was no like publicly available information about recycling. Like I had to find somebody at our local processing plant who would talk to me off the record about what actually happened to our recycling after it went through the plant because China had closed all of its doors to all the world's recycling. Right. So then I was like, well, if it's not going to China, which by the way, was not a great solution because a lot of that was ending up in the ocean and in rivers and polluting the air there. If it's not going to China, and we're still recycling the same amount. Where is it going? Like that was like a huge question that I had. You know, I have all these clients with travel toiletries. <laughs> like you go to the hotel, you take all the little travel toiletries home and they would be afraid to throw them out because they didn't want them to go into a landfill. So then they would wash them out and put them into the into their recycling or whatever. I'm like, where are those travel? That was like the big thing. Where are these travel toiletries going? So <laughs> oh, I posted on Facebook. I'm like, does anybody know anybody who works in the recycling plant and who will talk to me? Like, I just want to talk to somebody who's actually in there. So I did end up a friend of a friend, knew somebody who was working in the processing plant. And he's like, yeah, it's all BS. Like, yeah. there is nowhere for this stuff to go. We have no market. We're locked into these contracts with different municipalities, so we can't raise the rates, but we are paying to get rid of this stuff, whereas we used to get paid to get rid of it. And like it'll all be exposed in the future because it's just not, you know, there's no like everything's changing. So now the information is out there. There's tons of documentaries about this. There's tons of information like everything that I share, you can find. A more reliable source, like an investigative reporter on a national news, uh, whatever. You know what I mean? Like a national news channel that does investigative reporting. They all have reported on it, right? So it's not a secret anymore, but it really helps to have that information. Like we have so little control over disposal, like almost none. And the solution is so complicated. It's much bigger than just one person. 
But what we can do is say, I'm not going to buy any more water bottles, you know, like plastic water bottles. I, I'm going to make better decisions. And when you declutter and you get all this time back, you actually find the time to make the better decisions in the beginning. So you're actually creating a much better situation for the earth by decluttering as quickly as possible and then spending all that energy and time and effort into making better consumption decisions. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so good. I worked at a municipality when all that went down and I remember finding that out and I was just like, what do you mean? And it's so true. And I think for one, on one hand, you're, you're giving us permission to understand the lay of the land and the landscape right now with waste and being able to guilt-free, be able to move forward with those actions that we need to take in order to create that space. And again, that mindset shift of how can I find a new home for these toys to how can I reduce the amount of toys coming into our home is the best answer, I think, at this point. And the brain space that this makes me, I just did a podcast on productive rest. And it was about like, how do we reduce what's in our schedule, the commitments we have, because we just don't have time to sit and look out the window and consider the, the way that we want to move forward with intention, because we're just faced with all the decision fatigue, marketing at every angle, like you said, looking in the pantry, we're just faced with so much all the time that we just don't have time to let our brain actively rest for a second and make better decisions. And I love that. I love everything that you just shared. I so agree with it all. So if nothing else, what one step for somebody who's listening today, what's one piece of advice that they could take action on that could start them down this road? Just open this so, Number one, it is not your fault that you have clutter, period. It's not your fault. There is hope for Everyone, if you think that you are a borderline hoarder, if you think you are a excessive clutterer or whatever term you use for yourself, there's hope. There is a way to move forward. And I think that that message of hope is so key. Like you just didn't learn the skills when you were a child because nobody taught us this. So just like you wouldn't criticize a four-year-old who doesn't know calculus, don't criticize yourself for not knowing how to declutter and organize and have an appropriate relationship with stuff. Nobody taught you. It really is skill-based. It's mindset and just ditch the shame. It is not, it's not doing anything for anyone. You don't need to have it. And if you don't believe me, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Even if you that. don't believe that it's not your fault, trust me that it's not your fault. And until you can start to believe it yourself. I love that. Just absorb that truth. I know. I think a lot of us are just looking for messages of hope in all different areas of our lives. And I think that is... You can't move forward unless you can absorb that truth for yourself, or at least, like you said, borrow a little bit of, of that truth from somebody else. Oh, declutter the shame. Yeah, declutter the shame. First step, first stop, <laughs> declutter the shame. I love it. So where can people find you, follow you? This has been so good. Work with you. I'd love you to share all the places we can find you. Yeah. So the, the style of organization that I have that my little like own style is called prioritize your sanity so if you go to prioritize your sanity.com that's my website you can find information about working with me joining one of our programs we have a ten dollar a month community that is incredible 
you know, it's a lifeline for so many people. And we offer scholarships into that also because I don't believe that you you should be not able to access this like critical lifeline if you can't afford ten dollars a month. So reach out. You know, I have a podcast called It's All Clutter. It's on YouTube and all the other podcast places. Yeah, this those are the two best spots to get started. Thank you so much, honestly, for sharing your expertise with everyone listening and blowing my mind, <laughs> shifting my mindset. It's funny because I, I always laugh because every time I'm on a podcast episode, I'm like, I just want to buy all the things. I want to be in everybody's program. <laughs> but this is such a valuable, it's so valuable what you're bringing to the world and it just can impact so many people in so many ways. And I truly believe in everything that you're doing. So thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for, you know, spreading the word about this because it is really critical. And the more people who kind of shift their mindset around clutter and reach out with a helping hand to their neighbors, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.